Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Oh, I'm stretching. It's uh, still the morning when I'm recording this, so I'm trying to wake myself up with some coffee, some donuts, you know, get the sugar going through the system. Anyways, episode number 37. I realized I screwed up a few episodes ago and I called something, I think it was the Make, Do, and Mend episode, I called it 32. Five when it was 36. Regardless, just a, a little uh, error I wanted to correct. But we are at episode number 37. And uh, our guest is Thomas Chiari. I did not ask him how to pronounce his last name, but that's what I'm guessing. Um, but he plays for a band called Hostage Calm. Um, more about that in a minute. Visit propertyofzack.com. Um, I'm running out of things to say about them, but it doesn't diminish how awesome the site is. Um, they're doing a lot of year end wrap up stuff right now. Um, so check that out because that way you're able to catch the records you may have missed. Uh, and they're also doing a cool feature leading up to, well, now when this episode is posted, it'll be past Christmas. Um, but they did a thing called uh, stocking stuffers where basically they just, talk to a band um, member and they shared a memory about, you know, something around the Christmas holiday, whether it was, uh, you know, a funny story or a funny gift or whatever. So um, again, the this, this site's awesome. They just showcase more of a personality behind bands. And um, yeah, that's exactly what I like to find out about because otherwise they're just random people playing in bands. Um, yeah. So propertyofzack.com. Review the show, go to iTunes, drop us some stars, write some nice sentences about the show, or mean sentences, either way, I, I accept all forms of communication, um, and visit the website 100wordspodcast.com. Um, I've been posting over the past few days uh, year-end lists from previous guests of you know their top five records of the year, um, some of them are kind enough to write a little description about it and send a picture, you know. It's fun stuff, so um, check it out in the days between episodes. That's where you'll find us. That's where you'll find us doing fun stuff. Um, yeah, and you can also email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I recently heard from a new friend, Matt, from Victoria, British Columbia. Um, he actually he sent in something cool that I it's been on my mind for a while because here we are, 37 episodes in, and I have yet to have a female on the show. Um, obviously, this has always been a point of issue within the independent music scene. And I mean, you could say entertainment as a whole. Um, it's a male-dominated thing. And um, I am basically, I'm looking to rectify that. Uh, there are a few guests I have in the, in the hopper that uh, I want to get on the show. And it's just been a matter of trying to schedule around their touring and all that type of stuff. So... Um, I will break that, and thank you for pointing that out, Matt. I do appreciate that. I uh, want to talk about a few more things as well. I wanted to dedicate this episode to my friend Eugene, who is going through some tough times as of late. Um, and I just wanted to do this in an audio form in order to give him that little, like, hey, that was cool. Or if he listens to it and says, you know what, this sucks, then that's fine too. Um, I went to see... Henry Rollins performed recently. He did a spoken word. I think it was like five or six night stint up in LA, um, closing out his touring activities for the year. Um, and I mean, obviously anybody, if you've ever heard anything about him, you obviously know his story. The vocalist for Black Flag, Rollins Band, is a sort of, uh, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to describe him now at this point, because basically he just does a bunch of random fun shit. Um, a raconteur. I think that's the appropriate word. Regardless, um, so he does a spoken word thing and basically, you know, talks about whatever's on his mind. The dude has levels of intensity that are unmeasured. I've never seen anything like it. Two and a half hours, he hardly breathes and blinks, doesn't take a sip of water. He actually makes a joke of it at the very end of the show where he feels that if he goes down and drinks you know, takes a break from the audio pummeling that he's giving you, 
you're going to walk out. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really interesting. You know, he, he definitely, he definitely has a persona and, you know, Henry Rollins to be Henry Rollins. Like I would be so interested to actually know him as an individual, like, you know, go get a casual dinner with him. Cause I think the words casual and Henry Rollins don't really mix, but in any event, I really enjoyed the experience and there were no time during the show that I looked at my watch and was like, yo, this is way too long. I just kept thinking, is he ever going to like put down the mic for a second or like walk? He just basically picked up the mic, locked in and just went at it. So, um, I recommend it to anybody who is even remotely interested, um, in him as a person or just entertainment, spoken word stuff in general. Um, you would probably not find any other performers that do what he does right now. Um, and then I also have been thinking, a lot recently, and I would love to hear from you fine folk in regards to the creative side of the brain versus the business side of the brain, you know, the right and left side and how they obviously intersect and work together. Um, I, I like to view myself as a creative individual, but the side that I definitely feel dominates is the business side. Like basically, I look at something creative, whether it's like this podcast, whether it's the bands I've played in. And um, I always try to think of ways to either, you know, make it better, maybe make money off of it, whatever. You know, I always really kind of distill it down into the simplest of terms as far as a sort of business is concerned. And not like coldly calculating like, oh my gosh, you know, when I formed my first band, I was already thinking about the recording contracts we were going to sign when I was 16 years old. It's like that, that's not where my head was at, but my head was like, oh, let's get a demo recorded and like, okay, cool. Like let's get these tapes duplicated. Um, I always thought about it from those terms. Um, even though I did write all the lyrics for all the bands that I performed in, um, but it was never, um, like it was fulfilling and I really enjoyed that cathartic experience. Um, but I definitely was always way more focused on sort of the, you know, the planning aspect of it. Um, and I just wonder if anybody else struggles with that as far as, like I said, I do view myself as a creative individual, but then at the same time, what am I actually creating? Um, you know, I'm talking into a microphone, having discussions with people, um, that is obviously creative in and of itself. Um, but then I'm more excited when I actually have the episode recorded. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I can post it this week. Um, and you know, hopefully the band will promote it and, you know, maybe the you know record label will promote it, whatever. Um, I just think about it in those terms and not to say that I bring in guests that are for the sole reason of them promoting the show. Um, because these are people I just find interesting no matter what. Um, but yeah, so I just want to know if anybody else out there has that sort of creative struggle where it's like they view themselves one way, but then the other side of their brain takes over because it's more dominant and whatever. Anyways, Tom from Hostage Calm. Hostage Calm is an amazing band. Um, they actually, I met them because they stayed at my room when I, the first year that myself and my good friend Joey were doing Sound and Fury, they didn't have a room to stay in. And uh, my friend Sean was like, hey, can these dudes crash? And I said, sure. Nice dudes. They totally stuck out like a sore thumb at the festival because they have this whole um, sort of replacements, you know, Buddy Holly, sort of pop punk, but obviously not the derogatory term pop punk that a lot of people immediately latch on to when it comes to that term. Um, so they put out a record this past year called Please Remain Calm that is just so good. Um, they're a politically based band. They definitely have a lot of things to say. Um, and I was just really excited to be able to sit down with him at the fest in Florida. Uh, so again, you can see the timing. Uh, it takes me about a month and a half to uh, get a show up, but that's just the way things go. Um, so we sat down at a park bench and uh, I apologize if the audio gets a little spotty at times, but that's because either people were walk by, walking by us or a motorcycle went by or whatever. You can definitely hear the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, anyways, without further ado, here's Tom. Here's our conversation. I'll talk to you after.
I was aware of your presence prior to Sound and Fury because like, mm. that was 2010, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the awesome motorcycle year. Just great, yeah, great, yeah, great yeah. memories for me. Um, but I just remember, I remember us putting you guys in the bill, and I was excited because like that was the first year that we really could. That was the first year that Joey and I had sort of control, mm. and we wanted to put bands that weren't your typical bands that got put on every single year. Yeah. Just to kind of you know stretch kids' expectations of what Sound and Fury is. Um, that's why we were excited to put you guys on because obviously, like, you totally felt left of center. Like, you didn't fit, you know, with everything that was happening. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, and then, yeah, seeing you guys and obviously, like, you know, meeting all of you and you crashed in my room that night. Um, it was, uh, you guys are just a bunch of random dudes. And it's like, yeah. it, like, that really comes across in the music that you guys create. And those were just my first initial impressions where it was just like, oh, like, even though they fall, it's in the whole punk and hardcore scene. That wasn't. That's not exactly where the breadth of knowledge of why you're creating music to kind of begin with, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we're you, from Connecticut. You yourself, like, were you born and raised there? Yeah. Yep. I uh, was born in New Haven. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Durham. Okay. Um, that was where the uh, wasn't it the tune in there, like the uh, new like uh, old hardcore venue. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so the rest of the guys are from Wallingford, which is a town over from Durham, and oh, sure. we just got to know each other from going to shows. Wallingford, that's like where, uh, like, Yukon is, right? Or like no, the... Yukon's up north. It's like an hour north of that. It's in Stores. Stores, right, 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 right. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I played some shows in that area. I think I played on... At Yukon? Yukon campus uh, with, the, like, the In Pieces guys. Like, I don't okay. remember that band. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, your brothers and sisters, like, what does your parents do, like... Yeah, um, I have a younger sister. She lives in Boston now. I also live in Boston. Um, yeah, uh, my parents are from Connecticut too. Sure. Um, what do they do job-wise? Like when uh, you were when you were introduced in the world and you what you remember? My dad's like a, a contractor, builds houses. Okay. Um, and my mom works at Wesleyan University. Oh yeah, yeah. It's in yeah. Middletown, which is a town over from another town over from Durham. Isn't is that that's not an all female college, is it? Or is it no? Okay. It's like, some it's like a arty art school kind of college. Right. What does she do there? Just like uh, she's like an admin assistant. Oh, nice, nice. That's cool. So, yeah. um, so you're, I mean, because a lot of people view Connecticut uh, or certain areas of Connecticut as very, you know, like upper class. Yeah. Um, so was that your experience? Like you guys, you had a pretty solid foundation as far as you know. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say the stereotypical Connecticut experience. I think sure. when people think about that, they think of, like, Westchester County, like, closer to New York. Like, right, right. super rich people whose parents, like, work in the city and stuff. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, I definitely wasn't struggling. Right, right, um, right. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, your dad's a contractor who works with his hands, essentially. And, yeah, 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 totally. And I, growing up in high school and college, I worked with him. Uh, doing construction every summer from high school through college and then when I graduated I couldn't get a job so I worked with him so you know, so you know I, how to do shit with your hands I know how to do shit with my hands I'm, I'm kind of handy you know and I definitely learned a pretty valuable work ethic from doing that yeah. and seeing how hard he worked provide for the family and stuff like that yeah for sure and anybody that is able to have that experience of I mean I don't know how to do shit like yeah. if you put you know like oh this faucet's broken I gotta call somebody yeah yeah and so it's like I always and like you know, my like my parents were never. That wasn't. Uh, it's not that it wasn't important to them, but that was just never something I was surrounded right. by. Right. Um, so it's like it's always nice because I do think that more people don't know how to do shit than than, yeah. than like are able to work with their hands. You and know? I don't realize it because I I grew up with it. You know, and if something goes wrong with the van, I pop over the hood and I kind of know what to do, or like I change the oil or yeah, you know, all kinds of stuff. Like oh, so that. You, so you're 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 the technical dude in the band that's able to sort of yeah put pieces together yeah you always need one of those in the band like I yeah anytime that happened in the bands that I was in I was always just like um bass player like you know <laughs> so someone else like should you should you check the hood because like I don't know what's happening <laughs> under there I know I know where to put in gas and I, I mean I know I know the basic framework but, right <laughs> um, uh, it, it's helpful um yeah one time we were we were on tour I forget where and the starter went Okay. And it was it was crapping out on us for a while. Um, we needed to like when the weather got cold, we needed to climb out of the van, kind of like tap on it with a wrench to get it to, to get the engine to turn. Sure. So uh, we're we're driving and we just see the battery draining, and luckily we caught it. And right. We were like we were in like fucking 
Missouri or something yeah, else, yeah, yeah. Like in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, and luckily we were able to find uh, like a Pet Boys or an AutoZone or something like that. Right. And we just went in, asked for the part, asked if they had any tools they could let us use. And we were able to like change it. It took wow. like two hours, but we were able to get under and do it. And it cost us like 50 bucks. Instead it's amazing. Yeah, instead of the towing and everything and, else that goes, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, well, they, yeah, like I said, you always need someone in that band. Usually, it's funny because it's not usually the singer. It's usually always someone else that yeah. just kind of, you know, because you, you have your sort of like typical roles where it's like, the, you know, the, the singer is sometimes like the default business guy just because. Yeah. He's up front and people like to yeah. pay them, settle for the show. It's like, oh, yeah, I, it's, I recognize it's a that. It's that people recognize, yeah. Yeah. So, no, but I, I'm the business dude and the dad. No, so. uh, you're the band dad. I'm the band dad, Do I you, think. My, <laughs> I think mostly. I don't think anybody would object to that. <laughs> my, uh, my least favorite part, because I filled that role as well, my least favorite part about that was, I don't know if, the, if you're like this too, where it's like you, would, you wake up before everybody else in the band yeah. and you have to wake all of them up. You know, we have... The last couple of tours, we've been bringing uh, this merch dude, our friend Peanut, uh-huh. and he has been really into like TMing the tour and stuff like that. So Got it. he wakes everybody up. I generally like to get up earlier than everybody else just to like set my mind straight and have, sure. you know, this is what we got going on today. Yeah, yeah and just kind of get ready for the day before everybody starts right. moving and right. Everyone's trying to figure out showers. I just always remember like <laughs> the you know the when you're waking up your fellow dudes in your band that obviously it's like you've been on the road for like two, three weeks and they yeah. just give you that look like fucking let me sleep. Like just that look, <laughs> just that, that immediate, like, why are you touching me right now? Yeah. I always, that was like my least favorite part about being that, like you said, that sort of dad role. Yeah. Yeah. When somebody rolls over and it's like, yeah, <laughs> totally. Just that, that, there. that look of doom. It's like, Oh God, I'm sorry. Dude, we gotta go. We got like an eight hour drive. Like we'd wake up before the morning. I'm you sorry. Sleep in the van. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, as you were, so your formative years were essentially in Connecticut. And, yeah. Um, as you were kind of, you know, sort of a two part question, we can obviously dance around it, but when you were kind of, you know, sort of introduced to independent music and then I imagine it was like in the roughly the high school yeah. age. Um, and then like, how was your high school experience? Like, you know, what, what sort of, you know, did you play sports? Were you kind of like an indoor dude? Like, you know, how- yeah. Um, I, I got into music. Uh, like independent music in high school through some of my good friends mm. and they had older brothers that were a couple of years older that you know had gotten into it there was a local ska band uh, or two local ska bands actually that came out of my high school oh really there was, there was a good like local scene with just a uh, ska was big at that point and yeah. there was a lot of local ska bands in the scene in Connecticut was what, t- what time frame was this was this like um when was I in high school 2000 to 2004 yeah early 2000 sure sure yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I got into ska bands like Spring Hill Jackers Band from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, other goofy stuff like Aquabats. Of course. And, oh, you know, Catch-22 and stuff like that. Were you an Aqua Cadet? I, I didn't get that deep into it. Okay. Um, well, I was, so it's okay. Right. From, <laughs> no no judgments. Yes, yeah, right? Southern okay. California, yeah. yeah I mean, that was go. like part and parcel. Like, you get yeah, you, you get into, there. totally. It's just, I mean, Aquabats are still to this day. Can bring a smile to my face. Like, yeah. how could you not listen to that and have fun? Totally. Yeah. Um, we were at some burrito place last night, and Idiot Box came on. And I was like, hell yeah, <sighs> totally. Such such a good song. Yeah. Um, well, um, that's cool. I I always get stoked when it's like because you, you find certain music scenes to be so attached to, like you said, you know, Aquabats Southern California. It's yeah. like you know, third wave ska, like Southern California. You know, that was like such a you know an integral part of that but it's like i always get stoked when it's like bands obviously can you know you're in connecticut and aquabats were still an important part it's like it's nice to see that that can sort of you know pollinate elsewhere it's funny to like trace my independent music like lineage and try to go back to where it started and i mean that's where it started for me but to see like how those kids that got me into those Uh bands like i have no idea how they came across the aquabats you know right 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 so yeah, was That's I mean, did, like, did, was was music like kind of a part of your growing up as far as like your parents? Like, did they have any sort of connection to music? Like, you know, play the radio or anything like um, that? Yeah, I mean, they didn't play instruments right. or anything like that. They were always really supportive of uh, that kind of thing. You know, I played in like school band and stuff like that. Oh, um, what you play in school band? Play trumpet. Oh wow! So, were yeah. you uh, first chair, second chair, third chair? Yeah. I was way back there. <laughs> way back there. No natural musical ability whatsoever. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I played clarinet and I was absolutely terrible at it. Yeah. I have asthma too, which is also like why <laughs> why my mom for a wind instrument. Totally. Like why my mom thought that the only reason she did is because she already owned a clarinet, so she's like, Oh, this is an easy fit. Right. But you I, I was like spend a grand on an instrument. Totally. Yeah, I go. was like you. I was totally in the back, just squeaking away. I mean I <laughs> I I was probably much worse off than you were because I had no Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, either I didn't have the capabilities physically or the musical capabilities as well. But yeah. it was still a fun experience. Yeah, it was it was cool. Um my parents also kind of forced me into taking piano lessons yep. when I was a little bit younger than that. Elementary and school was, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, and I wanted to play guitar, so it was like uh, you know, I'm not totally into like dedicating a ton of time to the piano, but I, I stuck with it for probably like five or six years. That's cool. And that was a it was a cool thing. I and it, it's funny because that's like, I, I hear that so often where it's like you know I mean when you're in elementary school you see a guitar and you're just like dude that shit's awesome yeah but then you're like your parents you I don't know it's just so it's attached where it's just like oh yeah you need to learn notes so. Take the piano first. It wasn't even that. You know, <laughs> I went to take lessons for for guitar. Right? Yeah. I was going to, and the uh, instructor was like, "Well, what you should do first is learn piano, because that'll give you like the musical theory base, right? The basis." But the problem was, I was like fucking ten or twelve years old, and like I didn't want to play the piano, right. so I didn't really stick with it. You right. Know? You're like, I'm not committing to this. Like, yeah. 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 It's like there's only so many. I remember learning like you know Tom Petty free falling on like piano, and I was like, "This doesn't sound as cool as the <laughs> as the as the song I know in my head." Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you, like you were music was encouraged, but obviously it wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it's not like you know. I feel like every time you see a documentary on like a huge band or something, it's like, yeah, we grew up and my dad was playing piano and singing songs around the house every time we had a family gathering. Yeah, it wasn't like that. So the, yeah, that, that's not your VH1 behind the music. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe when I have kids, they'll I'll do that and then they'll grow up to be famous or something. Right, exactly. You yeah, never know. you can pass it on. You know, so that's my retirement plan. Right, <laughs> dude, perfect retirement plan. You're just like, you know what? I plan to be mediocrely successful, but my kids are gonna fucking kill it. <laughs> So the so you were at, that was kind of the lineage of you sort of being like you know once you picked up a guitar and that sort of you know like did you know that you wanted to play in a band and was that sort of actually the beginning of me wanting to play in a band was I was in eighth grade and I went to the we had like a talent show sure. at the school seventh and eighth grade um, and a fr- I was in seventh grade actually a friend of mine was in eighth grade this dude Ethan who played in a band called the Flaming Tsunamis, who's like a oh, yeah. pretty uh-huh. cool scout man from Connecticut. I'm familiar. Um, this was like before all that. He played uh, with two other dudes in this talent show. It was like it was like noon in the middle right. of the week, and they were just doing it. Right. And they did a Queers cover, like really loud, and we were just all sitting in the in the auditorium, and I was just like, this is the coolest fucking thing. Yeah, you're I've like, seen. I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. So I, I think that was like the beginning of me wanting to. Be yeah, that was band. like the seed that was planted. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, like you, you got into ska, and then that sort of like that was the introductory point, and that's kind of where you splintered off into you know more you know punk and hardcore or whatever. Yeah, I mean that at that point, I think third wave ska was really associated with uh, you know like the fat wreck yep. thing and all that going on. So I was into that before I was really going to shows, mm-hmm. and then. Like I said, there was ska bands from my high school and, and ska bands in the area, so mm-hmm. I eventually got sucked into going to shows sure. that way. Right, right. And then started my own high school ska band a little later on. Oh, spectacular. So. Well, can I, can I ask you the name of that ska band? It's called The Royal Assassins, after the magic card. That's perfect. Perfect third wave ska. And th- that, like, there's nothing more, if you're, you know, your first band, you should have either a terrible name or just like a completely on the nose appropriate name for whatever music <laughs> yeah. you are playing yeah. like if you're playing in a pop punk band you need to be you know just something so on that point yeah or it needs to be absolutely terrible where you're just like like there, there's been multiple conversations i've had with people over the podcast where they're like yeah i'm not even telling you the name of the band <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like but everyone has an embarrassing first band yeah. but it's something that doesn't occur to me too is where it's like like i was interviewing uh jamie from code orange kids the drummer mm-hmm. and he uh he was like if I tell you the band name, kids are going to look it up because, like, that shit still exists online. And I'm like, yeah. that's true. Like, all that stuff, you know, from earlier days. Because, I mean, he's, like, he's 18 or 19 yeah, years old. Yeah, dude, yeah. And so, like, oh, yeah, there is a there is a digital footprint. Whereas, like, you know, my first band or, you know, your your first band, like, you probably don't have anything. Yeah, no, it's not online at all. <laughs> right. That's you cannot find this. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. 
Um, and so that that was that in like sophomore, junior year in high school that you started That's, to. Uh, the band started in junior year and then senior, and then we broke up and everybody went to college. What did but you uh, What did you do in the band? I played guitar. I wrote um, most of the songs. It was nice. it was cool. I was super into Anti Flag at the time. Okay, sure. So basically, it sounded like Anti Flag with uh, four piece horn section. Dude, four piece horns. That's... It was it was pretty intense. Um, and this dude Pete that played saxophone uh -huh. um, was taking like advanced music theory classes. So oh. yeah, I'd I'd write like a horn line on the guitar, and then he would arrange like a four part harmony. And it was just yeah, completely ridiculous. Well, I mean that's it. That's pretty cool. That's a cool experience as your first band to like have a person that's like obviously musically talented, like really yeah. like yeah. legitimately musically talented. Um, it, it was crazy. You know he. He knew how to do all that stuff, and I was just playing power chords. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, You're figuring it out on your own. Right, and so I couldn't even communicate with him about it. I right. would just, like, show him a riff, and he'd be like, okay. And yeah. And he'd just, like, figure out how to play it and sure. do his thing. Yeah, he, he could, like, verbalize it where you're just like, I gotta show you, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so... Uh, as you were going through high school, like, uh, you know, did you, was, was school important to you? You know, did you, did you apply yourself? Like, did you enjoy the experience or was it just one of those things where it was like, I'm just trying to endure this? Um, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, my high school was small and luckily everybody, everybody got along, I That's guess. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was cool, but as far as the actual school part goes, I just, I didn't care. Right. I didn't do badly, um, but I just... You, you did enough to kind of... Yeah, I did enough to get by. To ma maintain the level? Yeah. Ma make sure that, like, your, your parents weren't coming down too hard on you? Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, like, when I went to apply for colleges, I did really well on my SATs and just had really, like, average grades that, like, didn't reflect that. And right. So, I remember getting letters from colleges and like they would say like you know you don't apply yourself like we can tell just because your SAT scores are here and your grades right. are here and would you get like, on your SATs if you remember I got a 1400 oh yeah so, uh, yeah. yeah so if you're getting good. that and then like a C average they're like yeah there's a disconnect here yeah I took uh, <laughs> actually took AP calculus my senior year and I got like a, a D or a D minus or something <laughs> right but they because it was an AP course in high school, they graded it up. up like yeah, of course, right, like, right. Oh, you know, I got a C. I got a C. <laughs> it was just hard for me. But I hated that. That was my last experience with math. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I right, my hands were washed. Yeah. Was it was it because the I always found my math experiences to be terrible, just based solely on the teacher. Like I really, I, like math in and of itself wasn't too scary to me. But I just I, I don't know why math teachers just always. Uh, are synonymous with being just you know either dicks or just like terrible, but you used in like math. The teacher, yeah, I mean, right? the, the teacher was a, a good, a good dude. Yeah, um, he was a, a math dude, and if you wanted to learn AP calculus, you could totally do that for him. And <laughs> right, you know, but he was just like dragging me through it, and like I only, I yeah, only yeah. took it because it was an AP course, and everybody's like, oh, I've taken looks AP good course. on your, yeah, of course, looks of good course. for colleges, sure, um, but like. I mean, I knew that I didn't want to do anything right. like that. Yeah. Like, I knew that. This isn't going to practically impact my life as I move on. Right. I, like, I knew that when I was taking algebra in my freshman year. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. This I, is not the course for me. This is not for me, but I'll suck it up and get through yeah. it. Yeah. So, did, as you were going through high school, did you have any sense of, like, you know, what you wanted to, quote, unquote, do? Like, was it one of those things where you were like, oh, yeah, I would love to, you know, obviously not do math, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I didn't didn't know... I had, you know, I had my interests and in, in everything, but I just, I didn't have, like, any sort of direction. I yeah. knew that I was going to go to college, and then when I got to college, I kind of figured it out. Sure, sure. And then, but, I mean, I guess every day you're figuring it out. Yeah, and totally. You, know. you know, like, I always, because, I mean, I'm 32 years old now, and, like, the, I look back at, like, you know, my, my 20s, like, you know, when you were 20, and I, I was like, I wish, like, I love being 30, because it's like, you're not as stupid as you were when you were 20. Totally. It's like you look back and you're just like, God, I was an idiot. Like, I mean, not even like from an overall perspective, but you're just like, these decisions I made or like all these things, like, you know, just the hindsight is 2020 and like yeah. being able to realize like, oh yeah, like, you know, I didn't need to do this in order to accomplish this or whatever. Um, but the, uh, so like you're, you had your interests. Well, what were your interests in high school that was kind of, um, besides music, obviously? Just kind of like the social side of things, I guess, like history and sure. And I was always into politics, like, like I said, an anti-flag. Of course, yeah, yeah. Me. Um, and, and you know, music like that. Was that the first so, band that sort of had a political message that really like gravity, like you gravitated towards? Um, 
I, I think it was. Yeah. You know, I think it was. And, uh, you know, earlier Rise Against stuff when I was in high school. Heck yeah. I, I loved that stuff. And I always gravitated towards those kind of bands. Of course. So um, that's the kind of stuff that interested me in school. But there's not like a politics course right, right. in, in high yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we had... Um, like civics maybe or mandatory something? Mandatory civics. And right. that was just like a fucking joke. Totally, totally. But, um, yeah. It's like it's a, it's a whitewashed version of you know the story that is told in every history book right exactly yeah. so I, I knew when i was going to college i wanted to take political science mm -hmm. and but i had no idea what i was going to do with that i still have no idea what i could do with that right right become a professor right 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 know. or work, work in dc doing something somewhere right and even at that point like what you learned in political science doesn't really yeah it's not it's applicable just like a history lesson that's know? true that's true i never really thought about it from that perspective but yeah yeah that's true um, and so, so then you, what, what's, what college did you go to? I went to UConn. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, I love their basketball team. <laughs> I'm Me a too. big, I'm a big college basketball guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember just watching Ray Allen play for UConn, like in the mid nineties and just being like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no pro sports team in Connecticut. So right. UConn is a UConn basketball. Is totally. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. When I was younger, I went to, uh, Ray Allen's slam a jam of basketball oh, camp. Oh, amazing. basketball camp. And he would, he would come. For like a day or a couple So you guys are bros, basically? Yeah, we're, we're good buddies. He's coming over for Thanksgiving this year. Yeah. <laughs> you text him? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey Ray, you got, you got traded the heat. What, what's up with that? What's the deal, man? How are we going to hang out now? <laughs> That's awesome. So you, you, you're you a basketball fan? You play it and everything like that? I mean, I'm a UConn fan. I, sure. Uh, I played basketball and, and baseball in high school. And, and oh, nice. Like that, so. Did you play all four years in high school for both those sports? Yeah, I play. I, I quit basketball my senior year. Uh -huh. um, but I played baseball all four years. I grew up playing baseball. My dad was a big baseball guy. So. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Those are, I mean... It's funny because you know you see obvious uh, a reaction within like the hardcore and punk scene is always like sports is fucking stupid yeah and it's like I can understand the, the sport like mentality is stupid obviously right. but the idea of sports that, that's it's great team, yeah. team building how to work together with people that you may not associate yeah, like <clears throat> I just always hate that immediate reaction where it's just like, oh I fucking I don't watch that or it's like I don't like you know people that also have the same reaction to like television where it's just like oh television is trash it's like well no like. You just not are you're, you're not you know you're you're looking at the reality shows that are out there, right? right. <laughs> um, yeah, youth crew and youth sports go hand in hand. It's perfect. <laughs> That's true. I didn't I didn't really think of it from that perspective. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, when did when did Hosh's Kong kind of become a part of your life? Like that, I presume that was like sort of in college, just when it started to yeah bubble up. Uh, so what happened was my high school ska band broke up right, right. when you guys moved. Everybody went to college. Everybody went to different places and stuff like that. Right. Um, and I had been playing with, you know, playing locally. Right. And Tim, our bass player, and Chris, our singer, uh, were in this band called the Drive Cats, another high school ska band from Wallingford. Incredible. Great name. Incredible. Um, so they, they were fans of the Royal Assassins. And, you know, I I'd met them once or twice. And right. so I went to college. I was, like, trying to get something started. It just wasn't happening. Um, and they... Uh, they asked me to check out their new band, which was Ted Kaczynski and the Mad Bombers, which is like a, a three-piece punk band that later became a ska band. Uh, so I, I came and saw them a couple times, and eventually they asked me to join the band. Chris was singing and playing guitar, and okay. he like, just wanted to sing, so uh -huh. I joined on guitar and kind of started. I played like two or three shows with Ted K. Sure. And I like the abbreviation, by the way, Ted K. Ted yeah. K. You can't, because yeah, once you say it, it's set, then Ted K is the abbreviation. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Um, so I played, like, I think I played two shows with Ted K, and okay. we changed the name to At All Costs, which was a youth group hardcore band with horns. Right. The so, at all, wait, At All Costs, like, well, oh, no, there was a band from Texas that was called... It was a, like a metal band. Yeah, because I, I, I worked at Century Media for okay. a few years, and yeah, yeah. I just, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> is there a random connection there? No. <laughs> uh, funny story about that. One time we played at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. Of course. Or, or the Loft, whatever the smaller one is. Right, right, right. And Walls of Jericho was playing the next one over. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the dudes in Walls of Jericho was, like, walking around. And for some reason, he was like, oh, what band are you guys in? And we are like, at all costs. And he thought we were at all costs. Right, the, metal the, band the Texas metal band. Right, right. And it was, he was really confused. We had, like, our shitty band. He was like, is this your ride? Like, 
They're like, yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we were we were confused too because we weren't immediately like, oh, he's thinking of the metal band. No, yeah, really you wouldn't. Know. Right, you wouldn't put that together. And he's like, oh yeah, we got our bus over here, blah blah blah. He's like, you don't want to grab some merch? And we're like, at that point we realized they were like, yeah, All right, yeah, let's sell this dude some merch. And uh, he was like, dude, you guys take plastic? And we're like, uh, no, sorry, dude. And he's like, okay. And I think he kind of figured it out and he walked away. Right, right. He's like, oh, I think I made an error in this. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and so, uh, like, did you, because you, you said you graduated college with a political science degree? Yeah, I did uh, political science and journalism. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, but backing up a little bit. Sure. So we had at all costs started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year of college, um, and we played a lot locally, and we we always wanted to tour, right? You know, and that was like the thing to really get out there and, and go. Sure. So um, we we did a lot of weekends, and we toured a little bit um, over breaks and stuff like that. I'm yeah, sure. Over yeah, over breaks. Uh, Tim and Chris were a little bit younger than me. Okay. And so they. They were two years behind me in school, so when I was a junior, they were freshmen. Got it. Chris went to UConn, Tim went to Eastern Connecticut State University, which was like right down the road. Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, we, we just kept kept going with it. Um, and this and then, was a, you said this was a three-piece band, right? No. Oh, no, at all. That was the Ted, Ted K. Ted K. Got Ted it. K uh, was a punk band. Right. Became a ska band. Got it. Um, and then that's when okay, I Okay, okay, yeah. I've just always, I've always been intrigued with three-piece bands because it's always like... It's amazing to travel with only three people in the right band. Now. We're just like, dude, so much room in the van. Like, yeah. even even as a four piece, like, just be like, oh my god, like, there's one less body in this van. Yeah, but yeah, I've just always been intrigued by three piece bands. Be like, that seems like the optimal route. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, so in like 2007, I guess I was a junior. Okay, I was a junior in college. Um, one of the trumpet players in, or the trumpet player. And at all costs, decided he didn't want to do it anymore, and mm-hmm. he was like joining the army or whatever. Sure. Um, so we're like, okay, you know, we're not going to continue with this. Um, we're going to just continue writing, but we're not going to do stop anymore. So that's when we changed the. I, mean, I guess at all costs broke up when we had our last show, right? And then we started Hostage Com and we recorded the demo sure. before the at last at all cost show was done. Oh, okay. And it was uh, it was me, uh, Chris, Tim, and Brett. Okay. who was the drummer of At All Costs and had known those guys for a while. Got it. Um, so, yeah, that's when Hostage Trump That was when it kind of came in, into your in life. 2007, yep. And you, but you were always pretty committed to the idea of, like, finishing college and, like, not, you know, dropping out. Or was that, like, yeah. kind of in your head? We're like, I don't know, man. Like, no, this whole... I mean, we all, we all were pretty committed to it. I think we all came from families where it was really important to our parents that we get our degree and finish college and stuff like that. And we had all gone to state schools, so the education was relatively inexpensive. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, and to be honest, school never really limited us from doing anything. We mm-hmm. didn't have like a booking agent throwing tours at us and be like, you guys got to go in October, like, you're in school, what are you doing? You know? Right, right. We were, we were still figuring everything out and doing yeah. everything ourselves at that point. So, um, so we, we toured on our breaks, we toured... Yeah, you toured when it made sense, but yeah, because I, I just always like, you know, people always have that experience where it's like the, you know, the dreaded conversation you have to have with your parents where it's just like, oh, dude, I'm dropping out of school because I want to tour. And yeah. It's like, you know, every parent's like, shit, you're not like, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. That's cool that you guys obviously like were committed to the idea of like, all right, we'll, we'll finish our obligations here. And then obviously like, you know, whatever happens after that, we could, you know, we could do totally. whatever we want after that. Totally. Luckily, it was never to a point where... You we had were to so make conflicted about it that yeah we were forced into a decision. Yeah, so we we did we spent a lot of time away from school like doing weekends and, sure. and stuff like that and that's that kind of stuff was really helpful as was far it, as building the band. Sure, was it? I, I always remember doing stuff like that and then uh, you know if you had like a Monday afternoon class where you just basically like got dropped off like at your classroom. Just yeah. to, Oh, yeah. So did you ever do those where it was just like you like you know got dropped off with your school bag and you just walked into a class totally. and you're just like <laughs> totally so but it was cool it was yeah cool. yeah it's, I think it's a fun experience too because it's like obviously not everybody has the ability to you know be in a even if it's a smaller touring band and right. so it's like they don't understand and you know you come into the class and like oh you're in a band like oh yeah you just played some shows over the weekend like <laughs> they don't a lot of people don't understand that concept and yeah yeah they think that you're in some you know like arena rock band or something like that <laughs> I, well, I haven't heard of you yet well 
<laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So that was that was cool getting to start that, and right. then so that was two thousand seven, sure. and I graduated in May two thousand eight. I did uh, journalism and political science, sure. And then I still had two years to go before the rest of the guys graduated. Yeah, and it's just kind of like fuck. I gotta get yeah, you had now. to kind of yeah, you had to bide your time a little bit. Yeah, I was just saying that so that, that that was the goal where it was like once once my other dudes graduate, then yeah. kind of make a go of it, it. It wasn't always the intended goal, but I think as Hashicham got started and we picked up a lot of steam locally, sure, um, it became obvious that that's what we wanted to do. Right, right, right. So um, the yeah. the um, I mean, hearing obviously like where you guys have come from, and obviously like how your band sounds now, and like kind of you know all the different influences, because it's like the, anybody that has ever asked me like what hostage calm sounds like, and like what you know, the the best way that I describe it is just basically like yeah, it's you know I mean obviously it has like elements of you know punk and without the pejorative like pop punky like yeah. but you know like imagine a little Elvis Costello, a little replacements like that sort of vibe, and people are kind of like oh like people seem to just not understand people just probably like to put you in one corner where it's just like oh yeah hostage comes like you know they're kind of a pop punk band yeah like they just I think people like to do that with every band it's true you know? yeah yeah you're not you're not special don't you <laughs> it's not even that they just like to people just like to have something that they can understand yeah 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 they grasp it yeah i mean and to be honest like you you know the way that the band has been perceived and like you guys don't you're not an easy fit anywhere and like that you know, I'm sure it has its merits where it's like obviously you play on a a tour or on a show and because you sound different than the other bands, kids kinda are like, Oh, what was that? What's going on? Yeah, that was yeah. kinda cool. Yeah, it definitely goes both ways. Right, right, right. But that I mean I presume you would obviously have have it no other way. Like you guys obviously like to be that sort of oh, like that's something interesting and totally. different in a way. Totally. Um and do you, like, where do you guys find yourselves, like, most at home, where it's just like, oh, like, we've seemed to, you know, resonate better, like, on, you know, a hardcore show, on sort of, you know, like, where, where have you, have you been able to find sort of a, a more logical fit for you guys, like, on a bill or on a tour? Um, I mean, not really, mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, I think it's always going to be that way. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I would like it to be that way. Right. Um. We can play a hardcore show, sure, and we can play a pop punk show or a punk show, right? And there are going to be kids from each one that get that get into us or that are fans of ours, right? Um, so it, I think that's just that's just how we do things and just how it's going to be for us. And eventually, right. hopefully, we pull in enough kids from all those different scenes where we have like a thing, right, of our own, right, right. You know, yeah, you've you've built it through this, you know, hard work as opposed to. You know, sounding immediate, you know, pulling from just one source and obviously just like having that base and like that base only. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, we obviously you can tell in our music, we like tons of different kinds of music. And right. just even going through all the releases that Hostage Drama has done, I mean, we started off as a punk hardcore band yep. or like with punk hardcore songs and then just kind of went through this evolution. And it's all music that we like and we still listen to and it's still like part of. Uh, you know our ethos and, and right. what we do. Yeah, it's not. It's not like I mean, you're you're not burnt. You know, you're not throwing out the rule book each time you're writing a new record. You're just like you know merely like tearing out some pages, adding some back in, as opposed to yeah, like I said, just completely. We're reinvented now. Like yeah. We are. We're we're a Scott band again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like LP number seven. Uh, yeah, you got you have the grand vision where it's like we will return to our roots once we have gotten this far. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I think, um, you know, like, especially hardcore kids can see us now and say, you know, there's something hardcore about them that I still see and that I like, or, you know, yeah. is uh, the ethos or the vibe, whatever. Right, so right, right. I think I, we'll always have that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, just because it's like, yeah, you have not only, like, you know, stylistically, but then you've obviously also, you know, quote unquote, put in your time with that. So it's like, you know, it's not all of a sudden you're just like, oh yeah, like we want to play, you know, that hardcore shit. Like we want to, we want to we hop on that. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. there's obviously that connection there. So it's not awkward. Um, and the, you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier in regards to obviously, you know, for lack of a better term, protest music, where I was like, obviously the bands that you first got into, like, you know, and 
Holocaust is called for lack of a better term like you know you definitely fall into a band that actually is trying to say something and you know yeah. will actually stand for something and you know prints t-shirts that actually say something um I'm sure that's obviously given you guys, you know, I mean, a lot of credibility in the scene, but then I'm sure there are people from the outside that, I mean, have you ever gotten, you know, crazy hate mail from people being like, you know, oh, you, you support gay marriage or whatever, like, you know, these things like that from, you know, a lot of the whatever right wing slash outside world, like, don't understand, like, but they would see something like your shirt right, and be like, fuck this, what, where is this coming from, you know, have you guys ever received any sort of, you know, direct feedback in regards to that not yet that's you know, good i'm looking forward to it though <laughs> hopefully we i'm can. looking forward to it because you got and on that same note like you guys obviously um you guys interact with people like and when i say people like you interact with uh, the internet as a whole in a very uh you know sort of tongue-in-cheek entertaining way where you're just yeah. like you know we're like you're serious about your message but you know you're also humans and you have yeah. you know emotions i think that really uh is a reflection of us as people we're a bunch of goofballs right you know but like i said uh we are passionate about the things that we're passionate about and we that's that's really the point of us doing the music you know sure. we we love playing in bands and we we love writing and playing songs together um but the message and getting that across and our music is very important i think all of our view on punk and hardcore is that it, it should be something that's used to make the world a better place. Sure. And so that's always central to us. But like you were saying, we're, we are just a bunch of random goofballs. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that comes across. And I think kids uh, kids like that. They, they, they see it and they see us as real people. We're not just out there. We're not just a message. Or right. We're not just like... I support same-sex marriage. We're just a group of dudes, and this is what we're doing. Right. And like, yeah. No, I, I think that I. I mean, obviously, with the sort of accessibility of bands now, where it's like you know people are able to get a peek behind the scenes, so to speak. Right. Because um, I always remember like, uh, like Earth Crisis, like clearly a very you know hard line. Like yeah, yeah. all their views are very extreme. And I just remember, like, they put out a DVD where they did, like, a tour in Japan, and it's, like, you know, it shows the singer Carl, like, you know, throwing chairs off of, like, a hotel rooftop and just, like, goofing around. And I was, like, like, he has a sense of humor? Like, he's, like, but totally, like, it humanizes that, and you're just, like, oh, even though they, you may have, quote-unquote, extreme beliefs, it's, like, there are emotions behind it. Like, this person yeah. isn't just, like, this stoic political message right. and like this statue of you know strength and whatever like <laughs> it's it's nice that you're able to uh you know i mean probably the, the, probably the same could be said for a band like rise against where it's like people i presume assume yeah. that tim is like the most serious dude of all time and like he's only going to have a conversation with you about political stuff and like that's not the case of yeah. who he is as an individual yeah yeah um but i mean that's that's the whole point of social media and it, it's cool like you were saying before um when my high school band started, we weren't on the internet. You can't find it on the internet or anything. And right. now, you can't do a band without the internet, it seems like. Yep. Um, so it definitely has changed the game a little bit. But it's cool because, I mean, that that's the whole point, is to interact with people and just be yourself. Right. You know, and, and let people see that. Yeah. It gives you, it gives you a, another, I mean... Obviously, there's probably too many channels to communicate, but it gives you a different channel to obviously um, be able to have that direct interaction with people who are looking for it. You know, right? Totally. Um, and so you mentioned earlier that you you know you uh, you help out with Run for Cover. Do you actually like you know you you officially work there when you're not on tour and everything like yeah. that? Yeah, well, I work there when I'm on tour too. Right. But yeah, um, but yeah, that that's my job. I'm the label manager. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah, it's it's really cool. How long have you been doing that? Um, so I started in April 2011. Okay. Um, and I moved up to Boston last November, so I've been working in in and out of the office since then. Right. And so you've uh, was that something you were really uh, interested to try, just based off the fact that you know, like you were saying, you were kind of you know the business dude of the band, and you sort of saw that like, oh, this this could be a fun experience for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was pretty natural for me. Um, we had hooked up with Run For Cover and Jeff in 2010. Right. Um, or I guess late 2009. Mm -hmm. And then our self-titled record came out in 2010. Right. Around that time, uh, Transit put out Keep This To Yourself and Man Overboard put out Real Talk. And yep. there was just a ton going on. Jeff was running the label by himself in his bedroom and the bands were 
expanding too quickly for him to keep up with. So, right. you know, I'd be, we were on tour with Transit when we played Sound and Fury. Yep. Um, or maybe we weren't on tour with Transit at that point. They pl- I mean, they played there. Yeah. So that, but yeah, maybe you toured with yeah, them. Yeah, might have been right after that. Right. Um, but anyways, so you know, we were talking about how the releases were going and just everything about the record, and I was just giving Jeff tons of feedback, and uh, you know, he trusted me. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he asked me to work for the label. Said, you know, I really need to hire somebody. Do you want to give it a shot? And I did, and it's been great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because how you see. I mean, like our mutual friend Chris, like you know, yeah. I, I help him out with no sleep stuff, and it's yeah. like, you know, I, essentially I'm doing a lot of the same stuff that you're doing. Right. Um, it's just so funny to see that uh, it's in this day and age that that sort of you know one man bedroom operation can still have a place and like still be totally. able to like grow. Yeah. And not you know not get to the point where it's like it's either unmanageable or um, you know it's so or they have to like you know like Chris or Jeff have to like shrink and just be like oh i can't expand because right. i can't handle this right um because obviously everybody looks at the way that the music industry is going and they're just like oh yeah like you know i mean chris or chris and jeff would probably both joke that like you know they always, kids always ask them like oh how do you start a record label oh don't do it like <laughs> <laughs> i know those jokes fly around all the time like yeah. oh yeah best advice just don't waste your money <laughs> um so the experience has obviously been like gratifying and did you ever I mean like was the music industry something that you always kind of wanted to sort of work alongside or with no not at all I you know I didn't want to be a part of the industry you know I just wanted to do my band right and you know play my songs and whenever the band was done I would go do whatever else I was going to do which right I hadn't figured out to right right point. yeah um but you know I love it and that's cool I, I love doing it you know it's like I went from being the band dad to working at a label where my responsibilities are to kind of oversee stuff that goes on with all our bands. Sure. You know, so I, I try to bring as Take, much experience right. as I have and, and, you know, help everybody else out. Yeah. And it's cool because Run Cover has bands and, you know, No Sleep has bands um, that are at lots of different levels. There's bands that are just starting out, right. bands that have only put out a 7-inch. There's bands that have put out a couple LPs and are, you know, playing the biggest bands on the label. Of course. And so it's everybody's in a different situation, and it's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, it definitely keep. Yeah, you can definitely have so many different conversations about com- similar things, but on completely different levels. Yeah. And every, every band wants different things. Yeah. You know? they, everybody has their own idea about where their band is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is different from mine and where my band wants to go. I mean, not always different, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see that. You know, yeah, I, I grew up with it. Right, I guess I came up with a pretty singular vision of what I wanted to accomplish with the band, and I mean, not everybody has not the same everybody visions. Has yeah, the same visions, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely interesting, especially like you know, with your experience of like, okay, my band is putting out records on this label that I work for. Um, you know, does that, does that make it hard for you at all to obviously like wrap your head around like, okay, like, you know, this, I need to make sure that these two worlds are as separate as they possibly can be. Um, um, I mean, it, it hasn't really been hard. That's good. I I obviously am super careful about the amount of time that I devote to hostage. Hostage calm a hundred percent of the time. Right. (laughs) Run for cover. Rest of the bands, they fall somewhere in the the B list. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I mean. (laughs) So I, I obviously am very careful about that, and I, I don't. The last thing I want is for one of the bands to say, "Oh, you know, yeah, you didn't get this done for us. You were busy doing hostage com stuff, right? Uh, you know, while you're working for the label, getting paid with money from records that we sold." <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. No, that's that's not. Sorry, sorry, basement. That's not happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So no, it, it hasn't hasn't been hard, and there's always more stuff to do than there are hours in the day right so you know it's an ever-evolving beast for you i'm sure yeah totally totally (laughs) um and sort of uh you know to like wrap things up sort of in conclusion um the you know most of the conversations that i have with within the context of this show have always been um you know sort of either you know pieces of advice like things that people have learned throughout either if it's like you know their band their small business whatever because essentially i'm just trying to get a snapshot of what it's like to either you know be in a band or whatever independent culture you're involved in Mm. that like kind of why you create that and you know the the pitfalls that 
exist. Um, you know, what, what have been some of the most uh, either uh, eye-opening lessons that you've learned, like, you know, playing in bands for as long as you have, um, whether it's like, you know, business-wise or otherwise, like, you know, creating music with other people and having, yeah. you know, that sort of family-like relationship with a band because so many people don't understand that that's exactly what it is. Like, yeah. it's like having, you know, four or five other oh, significant others. family, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, what, sort of, what sort of things have popped out to you of, like, Oh wow! Like I learned a lot from this experience. Uh, I'll just to put in context for you. Like I, I remember one of the times where um, I was get, I would always play just like Chain Reaction with my old bands, mm-hmm. and I remember getting paid one night, and you know, so what it was like 100, 150 bucks or something. And so like I took the money and turned away, like in the envelope, and turned away, and the promoter was like, No, 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 count that in front of me. Like I want to make you like you need to make sure that you're getting that money like it's yeah. you know that it is $150 like as much as you'd like to just take people's word for that type of shit like you know you could be in the you know Wichita Kansas and a sketchy promoter and it's like you you know you drive away and it's like cool we got $50 and we were promised 200 or whatever right um, so yeah a- any sort of experiences that you have in your own head that were just like oh yeah like that shit was hard and I learned from that <laughs> um you know yeah, you can take your time. I, I understand. I, it's, it's a... I, I think about this kind of stuff a lot, you know, with everything I've done with the label and the band to this point. Like Totally. I'm trying to think of specific experiences. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's always hard. It's always hard when you put yeah. on the spot for something like that because it's, yeah, there, there, it's like you know the lessons, but you're like, I don't know why I learned that particular thing, like that specific instance. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I, I guess, I mean, this is a little different, but... It's fine. General... In general, I think the uh, the best thing I've done mm-hmm. um, is just try to be involved in like as many aspects of this, uh, I guess, the industry or right, right. music as you can. You know, I, I, I came up playing in ska bands or whatever, yep. and I started booking shows in Connecticut. Oh, so, okay. you know, I was playing in a band, and I had a conception of what it took to put on a show. And then I put on a show myself, and everything got flipped upside down. Yeah. It's totally different. And then I understood that, and that helped when I started going on tours and putting together tours and stuff like that. And that translated into, you know, working at the label, working with agents and management and all that kind of stuff. So... I don't know. I, I guess. Uh, don't I, no. I I I see exactly where you're going with it because it's like I I think that a lot of people um, either for you know l- lack of their own personal drive, like if they're not like oh yeah, like I'm you know fucking get up and go every morning, like you know yeah. some people just aren't like that. They're not wired yeah. like that. But having as much um, you know sort of, uh, as much experience in different facets of what it takes to be in a band and I mean it's I guess it's like a a life philosophy yeah you know just try to understand every everything yeah I guess every every part totally and I I think ultimately what that gives you and what that gives other people is empathy because it's like you know you you putting on a show in Connecticut and you know whatever you know losing your shirt and being like oh, I you know I'll, but I'll still pay the bands like you know pay them out of my right. own pocket or whatever right because and then, I've been there and I've been the band wanting to get paid totally yeah and it's like you 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 know you can flip it like you know of course if that person is like fucking up and doing a terrible job you're still gonna be like yo like I can empathize with you but you fucked up like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna absolve you from responsibilities like but yeah I should ask you the question yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I, I mean, I totally, I agree with you. I, yeah. I've done a lot of this. Like, I, I, I think it's just like it's being curious. You know, it's yeah. like trying to find so many different, like, so many different things that all pertain to music in some way, shape, or form, and then being able to like take that and apply that to everything. You know, whatever focus that you have, whether it's the band, whether it's a label, or whether it's you know anything else that a person does with their life. Totally. Um, yeah, great point. I like that. <laughs> well, thanks for wanting to hang out and obviously bullshit in this. Fortunately, it's a very nice day out Very nice day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, dude. All right, there you have it. Um, sorry about the audio noise in the background from motorcycles to sirens and wind and what have you. But, um, you know, gives you a little ambiance, a little feel, so to speak. Um, yeah, Tom is awesome. Love the fact that he has such a long history with ska because a lot of people 
sometimes tend to get a little embarrassed with that, but not Tom, and that's awesome. So check out Property of Zach. We'll be back next week with another episode, and um, yeah, have a good holiday. Talk to you soon.